The following is a presentation of Broadway Church in Vancouver, British Columbia. For additional media, visit broadwaychurch.com. Hello, Broadway Church. My name is Maddie Gibson, and I have the pleasure of uh, leading our junior girls at Archetype from Port Coquitlam campus. Today I will be speaking to you about Sarah, and I'll be reading from Genesis 18, uh, starting in verse 10. Uh, In this verse, or in this passage, Abraham and Sarah are visited by three visitors, and this is what happens. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself. As she thought, after I am old and my Lord is old, how will I have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Now I have a confession to make. When I was asked to speak on Mother's Day, I had a similar response to Sarah. Uh, when I was asked to speak, I, I actually laughed. <laughs> I laughed because um, I felt very unqualified to speak on Mother's Day as I'm only 19. I've just finished my first year of university and I'm not a mother. So I was quite surprised uh, to be asked. And the word laugh that was used in this, um, in this passage was a laughter of surprise. And, and Sarah was actually quite incredulous. She was laughing in scorn at the promise of God. And to be honest, I kind of laughed in scorn to be asked as well. So in this passage, um, or just previously, God had promised to Abraham that he would be the father of many nations. And the way that he was going to do it was through his wife, Sarah. And Sarah was 90 90 years old. So Sarah's laughter draws attention to the fact that God's fulfillment of his promise to Abraham was just too wonderful for both of them to grasp. You could say that it was inconceivable. She was thinking, ha, 50 years too late. See, her laughter embodied the response of when the power of God meets the limitations of human faith. Sarah was barren. She was worn out and physically past the age to bear children. She had given up and she had burned her hopes of being a mother long ago. I'm sure emotionally, she just couldn't handle thinking of having a child at this age. She had long forsaken that hope and that dream. But God chose her. God called her. And God named her Sarah. The name Sarah actually means princess, the mother of kings and nations. God chose and named a 90-year-old barren woman, the princess and mother of kings and nations. He chose her to be the one through whom it would be demonstrated that he alone can fulfill his covenantal promise. God chose the most impossible circumstance to reveal his glory and nature. So my question for you is this, do you feel barren? Do you have an impossible situation that almost seems laughable? Have you torn up your hope of joy? I want you to know that God sees your barrenness, your fatigue, and your hopeless situation. He sees that your deep longing is, n- is not impossible to him. If you've got nothing, this is what God says. Great, that's where I do my best work. Now in Genesis 21, God fulfills his promise. It says, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. 
Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time that God had promised him. And Abraham gave him the name Isaac, to the son that Sarah bore him. And Sarah said, God has brought me laughter. Now the Hebrew word for laughter in this passage actually means ironic, ridiculous pleasure. Sarah was so excited and saw the irony of God's fulfillment of his promise. He, she saw the laughter. It wasn't scorn this time at God's promise. It was ridiculous pleasure. So Sarah's laughter became the verbal sign marking the ultimate fulfillment of the promise in Isaac, her son. So this is my big idea for you today. This is what I feel God wants to say to you. He says, I have chosen you. Through your barrenness, I will bring abundant life that is lasting. Let me take your impossible dream and fulfill it in a way that makes you laugh. See, God didn't just fulfill Sarah's desire to be a mother. He made her to be a mother of future nations and kings. He chose her to be the matriarch of the nation that actually birthed Jesus Christ and saved the world from eternal separation from God. You just can't limit God. He took her small dream and really ran with it. What would it be like if God took your small dreams and ran with them? So that is my encouragement to you today. I hope that you find that God will take your small dreams and run with them. So happy Mother's Day, Broadway Church, and I love you, Mom. Good morning, brothers and sisters. I'm standing here before you today because of what the Lord Jesus has done for me. My Bible hero is Abigail. But before I begin, please allow me to share a little bit about myself. My husband and I have been married over 11 years and we have one daughter. As a couple, we had faced many challenges and conflicts. There are times that we found ourselves fighting over for a little something like toilet paper not being replaced when empty. It drives me crazy but it doesn't bother him at all. I grew up in the Philippines. In my family, children were seen but not heard. As a wife and a mother, I have difficulty expressing myself without being emotional. I have difficulty listening for my husband. Before he finished his sentence, I jump in and already concluded what he has to say. Have you ever rushed? to say something and regretted later on? I don't know about you. I have, and it's awful. Now, back to Abigail. We are reading from 1 Samuel chapter 25, verse 2 to 42. In this passage, revolves around the attitudes and actions of three persons. Nabal is a wealthy man. He is foolish. He has no hesitation to spout inflammatory words without thinking what could be the consequences. David, he and his army are on the run from King Saul. He sent his men to ask for food from Nabal, and he insulted them, and that leads David to retaliate and plan to kill all the male in Nabal's household. Abigail, she is the wife of Nabal. She's beautiful, courageous, and wise. Her name means a joy to her father. What I like about her in crisis, 
she's able to keep her cool. When she heard the news that Nabal, her husband, insulted David's man when they asked for food, she kept her calm. She was able to make decisions in a timely manner. She prepared very delicious, generous meal, which she sent to David and his men, and she followed afterwards. She's also collected. She could express herself calmly in a tense situation. What I learned from Abigail, she's courageous. She's not afraid to face difficult challenges. She's confident to her God and what God can do. She's consistent in using good judgment. For me, as a wife, a mother, a full-time worker, can be challenging at times, being pulled over into many directions. But I know that when I face crisis, I can trust God and draw strength from Him. What about you? What crisis are you facing? What do you do when you face one? Do you quickly react or do you respond? Abigail responded, which will be our big idea today. Wisdom and determined action are great partners to get you through difficult situations. Being wise in itself may not be sufficient in some situations without taking immediate action. It is possible to simply stand by and watch destruction. Whatever you're facing today, I want you to remember two things. God is with you and he is in control. Thank you. My name is Moshokwe Fagungwe. I have been married for 25, 26 years now, and I'm a mother of two adults. We all, we've all had seasons of waiting, and I'm going to tell the story of Anna, uh, what I've learned from her, as well as my big idea for today. The story of Anna in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and 2 begins with a man named Elkanah who had two wives, Anna and Penina. The, the Bible tells us that Penina had children, sons and daughters, but Anna had none. Though Anna was barren, Elkanah loved Anna and gave her double portion to show his love for her. But verse 6 reads, Because the Lord had closed Anna's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. Penina ridiculed all shall we say, teased Anna year after year. Anna longed for a child. In her deep anguish, she poured out her heart in prayer to the Lord. One day, she made a vow to give up her son to the Lord if she bore one. One year, when the family went to Shiloh to worship, Eli the priest saw Anna's lips moving, but did not hear her voice. He accused her of being drunk. In a time of barrenness and or waiting, Anna was ridiculed and provoked by Penina. She was accused wrongly by Eli, by Eli. We sometimes face similar situations when we are unproductive or when we are waiting. Times we have to wait for something. Many are in that season right now 
with the COVID-19 lockdowns. What can we learn from Anna? First, Anna never gave up. She had to wait when God closed her womb. She recognized that only God could change her situation. Not her husband who loved her dearly or the priest who initially judged her. God answered her prayers and she gave birth to Samuel, who was one of the greatest prophets in the Bible. Second, Anna knew when and how to respond to provocation. She knew when to be quiet and how to reply with grace when she was wrongly accused. Third, Anna was faithful to her vow. She gave Samuel up to the Lord even though she had waited a long time for a son. She recognized the all-powerful God as the source. Lastly, Anna was prayerful and thankful. First Samuel chapter 2 verses 1 to 11 uh, provides her, her pray, one of her prayers. She continued to pray and give thanks even after receiving her answers to her prayer. The Bible tells us that Hannah had three sons and two daughters after Samuel. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 reads, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I believe God has had planned to make Anna a vessel of honor. And he was preparing her for that purpose during the period of waiting. Is there something you have been longing for, something out of your control? What is your attitude in a period of waiting? During my season of waiting, there were times I was angry and other times when I blamed others for my situation. Later, I learned to pray and give thanks, though I did, had not received answers to my prayer. And this is my big idea for today. Sometimes when you wait, God changes what you want. Like Anna, today I can testify that after waiting, I often receive something far better than what I wanted. Anna trusted God. She had a relationship with him. And God had plans and, a and had worked his plan and his purpose through her. Can you trust God like Anna today? You will have an opportunity to begin that relationship with God. God today. I pray that God will grant you the desires of your heart and make all your plans succeed. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi everyone, I'm Deborah Bose. Today I'll be speaking from Esther, and this is from Esther chapter 4, 13 to 15. So I'm just going to summarize Esther's story. So Esther was a Jewish girl who lived in Persia. At that time, most of the Jewish people in Persia were in bondage, so they were basically slaves. Uh, so at this time, Esther was taken to the king's palace and they were going to have a pageant of sorts to choose a queen. And nobody knew that Esther was a Jewish girl. So she had God's favor and God gave her favor to the king and the king chose her. So now she became the queen of Persia. So at this time, what also happened is one of the enemies of the Jewish people they thought that they didn't like the Jewish people because they were different from them. They were different from the Persians and they wanted to destroy them. And so a plan was created to destroy all the Jews in Persia. And it came upon Esther, the new queen, to convince the king to take away this decree so that these Jewish people would not be dead. 
So I was thinking, what do we women in 2020 in Canada have common with Esther? You know, Esther was a Jewish girl and, but I think, you know, we have a lot of things common with Esther. She was in a strange place in a strange time. And we as women find ourselves in six weeks into COVID. And we were thinking, what can we do? Maybe you're like me, you're a single woman, you're not married, you don't have kids at home, it's only you. You know, the only voice that you hear is yours. And at that time, you feel like, what can I do, God? Why am I here? You know, for most part, I am an outlier. I came from Bangladesh 10 years ago, and I have lived here 10 years by myself, mostly. And when you look around and a lot of people don't look like you, you feel like, what can I do? But I am so glad that God has called me. He has used me in this church that I call my home, and I do whatever he calls me to do. I look at people, I see their lives, I see where I can love people. And I think that is what God has called us women to be. We are supposed to be nurturer. Doesn't matter if you're a mother physically or not, but you are called to nurture the people around you. So then I look at Esther and think, she said to herself, you, so someone told Esther that, you know, you have to talk to the king and you have to convince him that the Jewish people don't get destroyed. And they told her, you were born to live a life at a time such as this. And that is my big idea for today. And because I feel that that, that is what we are called to do today. So on this Mother's Day, woman, if you are not even a mother, you are called to great things by your heavenly father to love and nurture the church you call home, the people you work with, the friends who you call your family. And that is my challenge to you as I challenge myself too. Thank you. Hi, my name's Ashley. And for those of you who don't know me, I am a grade four teacher in the Surrey School District. And thanks to COVID, I am now also homeschooling my three kids who are nine, seven, and five. I've also been attending Broadway Church for almost my entire life. Uh, for those of you who have been around for a really long time, you may actually know me as Shelley Clifford's daughter. I'd love to just take a moment to introduce you to my mom. Uh, my mom is amazing. Uh, she gets things done and she does things well. She's worked at this church for over 35 years and she has volunteered in almost every ministry from Sunday school right through to the singing Christmas tree. She is amazing and I'm proud to be her daughter. Happy Mother's Day, mom. And though I think my mom is exceptional, I do not think she is the exception. There are so many strong and amazing women around us, just like the women you're hearing from today. Unfortunately for me, we don't all do life with as much grace. Uh, COVID has hit me like a ton of bricks. If I had to describe myself with one word to other people, that word would without a doubt be efficient. I get things done and I get them done quickly. However, during this season of life, my ability to be efficient and multitask has never been tested quite so extremely. I find myself homeschooling my kids while unloading the dishwasher and in between each dish, responding to student emails and phone calls. And the harder I work, the angrier I become. If I'm being brutally honest with you, there are several times a day where I have to refrain myself from lashing out against my children in anger. And after I managed to refrain myself from doing that, you know who I turned to next? My husband, poor guy. 
I mean, if I'm being honest, he's actually really lucky because I do so much for him. But uh, admits being stuck at home with me for the last six weeks, I think he would choose a word other than lucky to describe his situation. Truth be known, in this season of life, I just can't do it all. Friends, I needed help and I needed it yesterday. Maybe you can relate. Lucky for me, there are two women in the Bible who have been able to shed some light on my situation. Their names are Martha and Mary, and their story can be found in Luke chapter 10. Uh, Martha and Mary are at home, and they're hosting Jesus. And Mary is sitting next to Jesus, giving him her full attention and absorbed in everything. Meanwhile, Martha is busy off somewhere else, doing, running around madly, trying to get through her to-do list. And in anger, she turns to Jesus, and she says to him, Jesus, aren't you going to tell Mary to help me? Jesus responds to Martha by saying, Martha, Martha, there are many things that need to get done, but only one is important. I think we can all relate to Martha. Yes, man, I mean you too, to some degree, because we all go through these seasons of busyness. Jesus sees our running around and our rushing, and he calls us to sit down. But I'm so obsessed with getting through my to-do list that I just ignore him. God is teaching me many lessons in the past six weeks, but without a doubt, the most important lesson has been to depend on him and to rest in him. It's not that doing is bad, it's just that it should take a second seat to Jesus. This is my big idea for you today. God is asking us to prioritize our devotion over our doing. Jesus never condemns Martha in the passage for doing things. She just tells him that Mary chose what was better, him. I told you about earlier about how my mom is a rock star. She gets things done and she does them well. But I should also tell you that she has modeled for me beautifully what it looks like to give our full devotion to Jesus. She starts every single morning off by praying, by reading her Bible, and by journaling. I've witnessed firsthand the incredible benefits that this type of devotion reaps. Despite my Martha tendencies, I strive to be more like my mom and more like Mary. And amazingly, when I do give him my full attention, it's then I can experience true rest and true freedom because I get to hear God's promises. I hear his promise that he will never leave my side no matter how rough the going gets, that he loves me, that I am worthy, that he is in control, and that I can trust in him to take care of all the details. It's when I give God my full attention and my full devotion that I can truly rest and find peace. So I encourage you today, will you please join me in prioritizing your devotion over your doing? Thank you.